Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm thrilled to welcome Cindy Gaines. She is the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer at Lumion. Thanks for joining us, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us about your journey that brought you to Lumion. I'm a nurse, and I've been a nurse for 35 years. And I spent the majority of my career on the health system side and the like 32 of it, I've been on the health system side working in nursing leadership, um, quality leadership, medical group leadership. In my last role, I was uh, vice president for Pop Health and then president of a medical group. So I've done a little bit of everything. And I had this opportunity to do something towards the end of my career that was just completely different. And I did, I love taking on new challenges and jumped into the kind of the vendor side of the world, which is a very different part of the health of healthcare. Um, but Lumion, um, when I got to know Lumion, what I got really excited about was the fact that they were they were it was a healthcare it was a software solution, but it was a solution that was helping the the pay the helping the staff to do their jobs in an easier way. Hmm. And at the same time, taking better care of our patients. And I was like, is this for real? And because if it's for real, I'm so in. And it's for real. We really do. Using automation, it's building automation. We've buried our, our nurses and our teams in things that don't, don't need them to do it. And in some ways have gotten in the way of really what we went into nursing for or we went into healthcare for, which is to be with our patients. Yes. And it sounds like that is really causing so much burnout for nurses oh, and physicians. Absolutely. And I've, I've, over the years, I've implemented so many different technologies and you did them. You know, you we did closed loop medication administration because it was safe, making medication administration safer. It didn't make it easier for me to do my job. It made it safer, but it wasn't easier. And when I learned about Lumion, I learned about the team, I learned about the what they do, what we do now. It really is about making it easier. And I was like, I mean, sign me up. I, I want to make it easier for our patients, 
more consistent for our patients and easier for our staff at the same time. So that's what brought me to Lumion, which I've been now with Lumion for a little over a year. Wow. And so what's your role at the company now? Well, it's a really fancy title. (laughs) I love saying it. (laughs) Chief Clinical Transformation Officer. Um, But my role at the company, I kind of think of myself as um, an internal and an external consultant. So because I've spent so much of my career on the um, health system side, in many ways, I'm that person within Lumion who goes, this is how it really works. This is, these are, this is what we really run into at the bedside. This is what we run into in the, in the office. I've had that experience and I, I know um, where we can use automation to make things better. On the other hand, when I work with customers, I understand what they do so I can say, here's where we can help you. Or here's where I know there were issues. Do you have those same issues? And there's a lot of credibility with, with our with our customers when you can go, I've been there and done it. And they go, yeah, you get this. And it just launches that conversation so much further down the road, so much more quickly. So um, I have I kind of do both of that. So I get to work with our customers, helping them transform, but also within the organization, helping us transform. Yes, that's fantastic. So tell us about care orchestration. Uh, what What is it? Uh, where does it fit into this care uh, landscape? <laughs> care, yeah. Well, you know, I guess fundamentally we believe care coordination is broken mm-hmm. and that it's, it's labor intensive, it's difficult to scale, it's inconsistent because it's all about us throwing bodies at things. We're throwing bodies to coordinate the care of our patients to whether it's uh, getting ready for surgery, to better manage their diabetes, even to you know get ready for discharge. Um, what we do is labor intensive and it's difficult to scale. And the reality of today is we don't have bodies to throw at it anymore. Um, and it's just kind of became our habit over the years. Um, I can't tell you how many times when there's something that needs to be done. Oh, we now need every one of these patients to get a phone call. Well, let's just give that to nursing to do. <laughs> and we we try to figure out how to, to get to those phone calls. And um, so care orchestration is really about how do we build intelligent automation to automate um, processes where we're able to, to free up the team to focus on the patients who then need who need um, that higher touch when they need it. Hmm. So I think of orchestration as instead of just a person doing everything, work in automation, do things, keep the patient moving along a journey and then bring in the team where the patient really needs it. Because instead of treating every patient the same, we build a process and then we want to move patients through that. Um, The fact is none of us are the same. We all come in with our different issues and our different things we're managing. So what you say is we treat you the way you needed to be treated. And if um, you can move through with automation to support you as a patient, what I've done is I've freed up the team to spend more time with the patients who need more time and less time with those who don't need it because they're actually managing it quite well. Yeah. And as a nurse, you know, where was this kind of care coordination and care orchestration five, 10 years ago versus where can it be now or where's it going? You know, but I guess I'd love to know the difference between five, 10 years ago and now. Well, you know, five, 10 years ago, um, it, what I would say is, (laughs) I think the challenge we won, I never knew about this, although Lumion's been around for 15 years, 
doing this orchestration, it's a UK-based company. And they've been doing this for 15 years, but we're fairly new to the US market. So what I would say is there was nobody out there from my perspective in the US market doing this 10 years ago. Wow. So, wow. So, That's a huge, huge difference. Obviously, it's a huge, huge impact. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it truly is new. So within the last five years in the U.S. market. So when I look at five, 10 years ago, and I, I used to have, um, I when I was president of my medical group, I had, a, I had a case management team who was, you know, doing transitions of care. And it was, you know, it was all about, okay, review the record because then we got to call the patient and just doing the transitions of care and trying to better manage that so we would prevent readmissions took up the majority of a team's time. And there was so much more we needed to be doing. Wow. So you get burdened down in the cold calling and the following up. And um, there was so much more we wanted to do with diabetes and um, how, you know, managing our patients in a better way. But you were you always needed more people to do it because I, they can only have some, take care of so many patients in a day. So we did a great job with the resources we had, but the challenge was um, I had a team who could manage, you know, 500 patients as a team, but I had a population of 125,000. Oh my! So goodness. when you start to think about great resources, you can do great work, but they're touching so few people. Um, you weren't making the impact you wanted to make. So what I see today is um, I can take some of those same processes and you, with automation, all of a sudden that same team can touch a lot more patients and you're not going right away. I need more bodies. I need more bodies. But wow, um, we could use automation to do maybe to do a reach out to a patient and I'm not cold calling and I can um, in, in better use those resources. So. Yeah, it seems so critical and it seems like a no-brainer, but I guess you have to get to a point where tech could man could actually do that to, you know, with, but there's human lives at stake. It has to actually well, work, right? Yeah, well, automation is scary <laughs> for people. When you say yeah. automation, right away people kind of go, Are you are you taking the touch out of this? That's what it's all about. Is you don't want to make it impersonal because you're automating and you're like, no, I'm not taking the touch out of it out of it at all. If anything, I am freeing you up to spend that high touch with the patient and um, in a better way. So, for example, I'll just an example would be um, we all get a phone call from a from a from a team when you get scheduled for surgery. You're going to get a phone call and they're going to ask you a ton of questions about yourself. And it's probably questions that answer in your EMR, but they're asking you a ton of questions because we have last minute things. Well, why not send that form to the patient and let them complete it? And then let me review your answers and then we can have a, a more focused conversation if we need to, or maybe we don't need to have a conversation because really I have all my questions answered. And then, but what you've just done is I didn't do that same phone call for every patient, but for the patients who really needed a phone call because they couldn't do the form or they were really complex, I have a lot more time to spend with those patients who have more needs. Hmm. But it's, it's not being afraid of the automation. I'm not, we're not replacing care. We're like taking advantage of automation to support that team. Yeah, truly augmenting care. And, augmenting yeah. care, absolutely. Yeah. So what are the biggest hurdles then to implementing care orchestration platforms? It kind of seemed like no-brainers, like this is awesome and helpful to have. What are these hurdles that are keeping hospitals and health systems from implementing these platforms? 
Oh, you know, it's funny. It's, it, it sounds strange, but I think one of the, the biggest hurdles is people don't know that there's a different way of doing it. Hmm. We haven't, we don't know to think about doing it differently. It's we've done it the way we've done it. And, and as I said, we're new to the U S market. If you, there's so many people who don't know we exist and they're, they're amazed when they see it, where have you been? But they, they, they haven't thought about using automation in that way. And so, um, because automation goes so much beyond the digital front door. It's about, we talk about how do you better manage the patient in whatever operational or clinical workflow you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that becomes a barrier for people is the amount of activity that's still not standardized in healthcare. So we still have a lot, and it's kind of fundamental to when you start to automate is you've got to agree on some standardization. True. And there's still a fair amount of um, this, this office likes to do it this way and this doctor wants to do it another way. And, and you start to have to agree on some foundational items. So what I would say is, um, is start small and, and grow from there. Start with something that you can really feel the benefits of and you learn about automation, you learn to trust it, you learn that it works and it helps you to have people then want to go, well, can we use it here? And, and they want to standardize. So sometimes we want to take on, like, you want to automate the world. And you and it's yeah. so overwhelming. It's just you don't not possible to, yet because you yeah, need the standardization you don't know where to yes. and, mm-hmm. and I think that becomes another barrier is really start with a pain point mm-hmm. that you need to solve and then move on to the next pain point as opposed to, because we are a platform once we're in, it can be used for any, in any situation, but you got to start with one that's meaningful and it's going to make a difference. And then you can grow from there. That makes a ton of sense. And I think some people think all or nothing, but sometimes yeah. it is an incremental step to, to adoption of, of, of augmented reality. Yeah. Interesting. So I'd love to dive now into your personal life. Um, you've been working as an executive in healthcare for a long time now. You know, I'd love to learn about some things that you've done practically to overcome obstacles in your path. Oh, obstacles. There's so many obstacles in the path. <laughs> right? It's life. <laughs> um, it's life. I, you know, one of the first things I would say is um, to not hold so tightly to your own plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had a plan when I was a young nurse, of what I was going to do. And um, sometimes we make those plans and we hold really rigidly to them. Those are my goals. And be open to where your journey is going to take you. Mm-hmm. And know that it might not be that straight line, but boy, you, you, there's a lot of richness in the journey. And sometimes we get so focused on that goal and wanting to meet that goal that um, we, we forget to experience the journey along the way, which actually makes us into a much more fantastic leader. Mm-hmm. So um, I, would, I would say this once, to get out of your own way sometimes. <laughs> It makes sense. I mean, to think that your career now may not have even been possible whatsoever 30 years ago and and things have changed in a way that you probably could have never imagined. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to a a chief nursing um, information officer 
And she was, we were laughing because she said, I was just at this meeting and someone said, someone asked the question of, is this, um, was this always your career path? You like this, did you always want to do this? And she said, this wasn't even an option. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have chief nursing information officers. You know, we, we were not, we were still in paper 20 years ago. So um, it's just kind of funny because, yeah, it's it's not always the way you think it is. But I, I would say one is to be open to the journey and to be open to trying things, to be sure to to try things that are um, that you've not done before, that are bigger than what you think you can do. We have a tendency to stay in our comfort zone, mm-hmm. and then you're offered this opportunity that seems so much bigger. And um, take a leap, try it. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll never grow. And you'll never learn new things and you'll never have, um, you you won't get, um, it won't be a satisfying of a journey is what I would say. Mm. And so that would be another thing. And the other is is obstacles is, um, is to always take something big and make it small. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes things are so big, a project is so big what you're being asked to do is so big. It can be overwhelming when you are constantly looking at it in its totality. And um, I had a saying I've used for years and um, I've had worked with a lot of people who, who have who've taken it on. I go, chunk <laughs> it out. You got to chunk it out. And you got to chunk it up into manageable pieces and have a plan for how these pieces are going to come together. But you might chunk it up over three years, over four years, but what I need to focus on in the moment is this first chunk because it leads me to that next chunk. And um, pretty soon you'll have got, you've been successful and got the whole thing accomplished, but you can get so buried in the big picture of what you've got to accomplish. You, it's almost, it's that paralysis by analysis. It's where to even get started. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had so many people say, oh, you've done so many amazing things. How did you, and you were doing them at multiple times. Well, when I chunk something up, I can actually work on several big projects at a time. True. Focusing on the, the piece of that project plan that is next. And um, that, um, that's been for me getting through a lot of barriers. In my yeah. And seems like such also a strategy to stay optimistic in healthcare where things move slowly. And, you know, and, and so really being able to chunk it out, like you said, can be really helpful in keeping hope that things are going to get better and that well, things are getting better incrementally. Well, keeping hope and also celebrating success along the Mm, way. mm -hmm. And to think of celebrating success at the end of it. But if you don't celebrate success along the way with those chunks, what you're going to find is your team gets discouraged Mm -hmm. and they're just logging through to the next thing and the next thing. And, And it gives you this opportunity to celebrate that throughout it. And people get excited and they want to keep working. Mm. So I'd love to know, what are things that you do, whether it be for your physical or emotional or spiritual health to work your best to make a difference? This could be, you know, a hobby, a lifestyle choice. Yeah, whatever floats your boat. Whatever floats my boat. Um, <clears throat> well, one is, um, it's, it's changed a lot. It's funny. Um, it's really changed a lot since working from home. Mm-hmm. I used to go to an office every day and in when you go to an office, you have this opportunity to kind of prepare for your day as you're driving in and you kind of are letting go of your day as you're coming out. 
And working from home started to become, the world just all started blending together. And you didn't always, it was hard to sometimes close it down at the end of the night or into the evening and have that time to relax and be with your family and have that time to kind of let everything go. And so part of this is I actually, uh, my office is when I'm done working, I turn the light off in my office and it's closed for the day. Mm. So um, there's a lot of people who go, how can you do that? It's closed for the day. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we're getting on my computer and checking it. And I really do build that time where it's now time to spend time with my husband and my puppy and um, have that time where we're enjoying our evening together and our dinner together. And because when you don't have that time to drive home, it, it just keeps getting blending in longer and longer. And you really need to almost set that boundary of, okay, I'm home from driving. It's time to turn off the light. Um, for me, an important part of my day in balance is I get up an hour extra early every day. And for me, that's a time to spend um, reading. Um, I read I read my Bible and I spend time in reflection and prayer every morning. And it's an important time for me to almost get ready for my day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it's not, again, to slow down and not be in that dead run from the moment you get up to the moment that you go to bed at night. And part of that is to kind of prepare myself emotionally and spiritually for the day. And okay, and then let's bring it on. And then you're running for the day. Mm -hmm. So that's a really important thing that I do in my world. And um, the other is building in time for exercise. And that's a treadmill in my basement that um, you make make sure you have time for that. And again, um, building and, and making yourself that priority for these times. Um, we we're ne- we don't have to be victims of our calendars. Um, I've I've been there in my life where you're like, oh, I there's just no time. I can't do this. You know what? It's your calendar, and wow. it's a block in time and build it in. And it's making an appointment with yourself to to do exercise on your bike. Making an appointment. That's my appointment with myself when I get up early in the morning to to do my reflections and prayer. It's it's part of you block it in and you honor it. And um, people will quickly learn that um, they don't necessarily know what you're doing, but oh, that time's blocked on your calendar. If you don't block it and you think you're just going to do it, it won't happen. Very true. So true. Well, Cindy, it's been awesome having you on the show today. You are a true inspiration. Very excited to see uh, the future of care orchestration and all that you're doing to make that happen. I'm excited about it too. I love talking to people about it and I love making a difference. Thank you so much for having me here today. For sure. And before I forget, did you happen to bring tea with you today? I did. Ah, <laughs> tell me the story. You have any story about your mug? Oh, I it's love my mom. mug. I love mom. So my mom lives up in Michigan. I'm down in Georgia. So she, we got this mug when she was here last and uh, it makes me feel close to her. So, um, she was here for six weeks this spring, so she just left. But in green tea, I love green tea. I actually so. have green tea with me right now, too. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's so yummy and it's so good for you. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's something that, again, my husband and I do a cup of green tea every evening. And um, it's kind of part of our routine in the evening. So it's. Uh, I was delighted when you said, oh, let's have tea together. Oh, well, I am so glad that you came for tea and we'll have to do tea again uh, sometime in person. I would love to. I would love to. 
So to finish off this conversation, right, where can our listeners find you online? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. And of course, you can always reach out to us at lumion.com. And um, you can get a hold of me that way as well. But LinkedIn is the easiest way. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Cindy. It was great having you on. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And thank you guys for joining us too. Check out the Hit Like a Girl podcast website and YouTube page for more great guests just like Cindy today. Cheers. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you. 